Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics. With the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And Quest Nature Tours, offering expert-led small group tours for bird and nature lovers since 1970. Explore exceptional journeys around the world at questnaturetours.com. And Beautio Books, an independent, family-owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Beautiobooks.com. Good morning. Welcome to our show, number 932. Well, the Talking Birds Garden, located just to the rear of our home radio station here on the Massachusetts South Shore, is coming alive with birds. We have Carolina wrens, black-capped chickadees, morning doves, common grackles up on the tower, common ravens, and the chipping sparrows have returned, waiting to see if our eastern bluebirds might nest in the garden as they did last year. Meanwhile, outside of the garden, we have a tandem of terrific listener-submitted audio postcards from Virginia and Arizona today. First, a short and sweet card from Milton Switzer, and then a multi-species report from Nathan Wilson. Here's Milton and friend. Hello, Ray. This is Milton Switzer. I'm in the Shenandoah National Park in Virginia, and I'm standing out about 20 feet away from an American woodcock. Good morning, this is Nathan Wilson, Talking Birds Ambassador from Albany, New York. I'm with our family on spring break in Scottsdale, Arizona. And you're probably hearing behind me some gray-tailed grackle, some white-winged dove, and gambles quail. Uh, but what you don't hear that's right behind me are some burrowing owls. Uh, I'm at Scottsdale Community College, and they have a little preserve here next to a parking lot. And we just came out, and they're right here perched on these sticks. Something I really love about birding is you never know where you'll be able to find some pretty amazing creatures. Have a great day. Thank you, Nathan, and thanks, Milton, for those beautiful audio postcards. Um, Nathan also sent us uh, a couple of pictures of uh, one of those burrowing owls, and we'll get that up on our Facebook page on our TalkingBirds.com website if they're not up there already. Send us a postcard. We'd love to hear them. Just send it to Ray at TalkingBirds.com. You can just make a little recording on your smartphone, come on, that kind of thing, and send us the file. That's Ray at TalkingBirds.com. Not present at either of those locations we just heard from is our mystery bird. There he is again, our mystery bird. And this is a preview of our contest coming a little bit later in the show. We, we play the thing now so that you'll be ready when we do the concert, uh, I mean the contest. Later on, we tend to run out of time. It's a concert of birds. It's okay. A concert of yeah. birds. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Tim. You're welcome. Is it Save Number One by Tim Tim McKenney is our, our special guest uh, engineer this morning. Timber! There he is. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Our mystery bird, common in the western oak forests of North America, is sometimes described as clown-faced, 
Not looking at you, Tim, with a black, white, and red head. It also has a straight, sharp bill and a stiff, wedge-shaped tail that it uses for support as it clings to tree trunks. Our bird feeds on the seeds of oak trees as well as on insects, sap, and fruit. It lives in extended family groups, the members of which spend many hours storing food carefully in tended holes or carefully tended holes in trees and telephone poles and things of that sort. Clues there for our mystery bird contest coming along in just a little bit. Prizes include from our friends at Brome Bird Care, a Brome squirrel-proof standard feeder. It is really squirrel-proof thanks to its weight-adjustable closing mechanism, and it features proven seed saver technology, a patented seed tube ventilation system, and a chew-proof seed tray. And from Wisdom Supply, providers of plastic-free, vinyl-free, and spiral-free school and office supplies, a $20 gift certificate. Prizes and such on our Mystery Bird Contest. The contest coming along just a little bit later on in um, this morning's show. Here's a salute to some of our great Talking Birds ambassadors, folks who help us get the word out about birds and conservation, which is kind of what we're trying to do around here. We send out cards and folks hand them out to their friends and neighbors at their convenience. And thank you to Miriam Youngquist Thoreau from Holly Springs, North Carolina. She says she found out about Talking Birds from another ambassador, Kira Thoreau Bartow. That's, <laughs> that's Miriam's daughter. She says we've been birding together since she was a young child. That is really cool. Thank you, Miriam. And thanks again, Kira. Thank you to Jenny Minter from Robbinsdale, Minnesota. She says, I've been enjoying the show for over a year now. Time to step up and become an ambassador. Beautiful up the way you think, Jenny. Thank you so much. Let's hear from another ambassador and why she became one. I'm Laura Blakesley from Charlotte, North Carolina. I became a Talking Birds ambassador because even without being one, I already was one. Every time I would be meeting people out on the birding trails, I would be talking about the show and how fun it was to listen to and asking everyone to tune in to Ray Brown's Talking Birds. It's for anybody who likes birds. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll become a Talking Birds ambassador. Just visit our website, TalkingBirds.com. Click on Get Involved at the top of the homepage and then choose the Become an Ambassador option. That's Get Involved at TalkingBirds.com. And thanks. North Carolina coming up big today. Of course, Minnesota as well. Just a reminder, by the way, we have our new Talking Birds ambassadors map uh, accessible through our uh, website. If you go to Become and Involved, you'll find it there. And we have pins for our ambassadors really all over the world now, we are excited to say. Still to come today, we'll learn about what we think is the first ever urban birding competition with the organizer of the upcoming Big Day Boston, Adam Balsam. Also today, Mike O'Connor will join us for a Let's Ask Mike segment almost live from the archive about his birding adventure in, guess where, North Carolina. Holy mackerel. And up next, it's our Talking Birds featured feathered friend, presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. When the great ornithologist Alexander Wilson collected a beautiful warbler in a magnolia tree in 1810, he named it 
No, he named it the Black and Yellow Warbler. But he didn't ignore the tree entirely. He used it for the bird's scientific name, Cetophica magnolia. And eventually, the bird's common name became the one we know today, the Magnolia Warbler. The Magnolia Warbler has made appearances on the covers of numerous bird publications, maybe most notably in the second edition of the Sibley Guide to Birds. And understandably so, it's a strikingly beautiful bird with the intensely plumaged male sporting a blue-gray crown, yellow throat, a black-streaked yellow breast and belly, a yellow rump, and dark wings with two prominent white wing bars. Females have a gray head, mostly unstreaked yellow underparts, and thin white wing bars. Male magnolia warblers have been described as having two songs, one in courtship and around the nest. And another slightly different song heard at dawn and dusk that lacks the louder final note. The magnolia warbler's favorite food appears to be caterpillars, supplemented by beetles, butterflies, spiders, and bits of coniferous tree branches in the nesting season, and then fruit and nectar during its winter stay in southern Mexico and the Caribbean. Alexander Wilson found this bird in Mississippi, and he may not have known that it would travel a long way from there in its northward spring migration heading for its breeding grounds way up in the northern U.S. and across most of Canada, where the birds encounter a tree called the cucumber magnolia. Cetophica magnolia, the magnolia warbler, today's Talkin' Birds featured feathered friend. Welcome again to our show number 932. Adam Balsam is the organizer of Big Day Boston, which, near as we can tell, is the first ever urban birding competition, and he joins us now to tell us about it. Good morning, Adam. Morning. Hi, Ray. Great to have you on, and so exciting to hear about this this competition. Tell us, uh, if you would, Adam, about how you got the idea and the inspiration for uh, Big Day Boston and what it entails. Sure. Yeah. Thanks. Um, well, the inspiration came about a year ago. Um, I live and work in downtown Boston and, um, on the first week of May of last year, I was on my way to the office and I came across a palm warbler on the greenway in downtown Boston. And mm. later that afternoon, um, at Copsville Cemetery, I came across a Eastern towhee and both of these are pretty unusual birds to see in the city, but it's part mm -hmm. of the, you know, spring mig migration. Um, but I got to thinking, how many birds could I see if I really set out and tried to count how many I could see in a week? And the answer turned mm -hmm. out to be 27. I saw 27 mm -hmm. birds that week. Mm -hmm. um, and at that time, I remember kind of being proud of myself, but also thinking I'm uh, the only one playing this game. <laughs> uh, so what, what if we could figure out a way to get some more people involved? And um, as I think I said, you know, a domain name um, for a website and a parks permit later, here we are um, a week away from the first ever Big Day Boston. All right. And you and you were in first place there for a while, certainly, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> after, after I, this. I expect the record, hopefully, to be crushed next week, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I want to uh, mention a quote here on, on the website there in uh, at uh, bigdayboston.com, and where you say, I'll also admit that the idea that suburbanites have better access to nature has always irked me. 
wonder if you want to expand on that a little bit. Yeah, I think that um, I think that that particular quote um, came from a, uh, an article that the Globe published right at the beginning of the lockdown. And it was a great article. It was about all these uh, programs for birders that were happening. But the opening sentence said something like, one of the great things about living in suburbia is mm -hmm. that blah, blah, blah. And, uh, mm -hmm. um, you know, I like to think of uh, birding as something that you do in your backyard. Like I'm not mm -hmm. a big you know person to travel and, and count numbers or something. And if you live in the city, your backyard is as big as the, the tee or your feet or your bike can take you. So um, in a lot of ways, I feel like there's a lot of advantages to birding um, in the city, um, especially when you're kind of doing uh, this concept of slow birding. Uh, there was an mm -hmm. article... A, a book actually by Joan Strassman last year um, about slow birding. That's appreciating the birds that are in your backyard as opposed to these like cutthroat mm -hmm. competitions where you're um, pushing numbers uh, or concentrating more on numbers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Joan was with us on the show a while back. We'll have to look that up and see which show that was for folks who want to see more about uh, slow birding. And, and Boston may be unique in a way. We have so many different environments really in the city. And if I'm not mistaken, Boston is the only major city that has a riverfront and an oceanfront. So that gives you some extra opportunities there. Yeah, fascinating. One of the one of the um, the number the, the 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 ways that I got my numbers the twenty seven last year were all the unique ducks that are in the harbor here in Boston. And mm -hmm. this time of the year, you can still catch some of the some of the weird winter ducks um, still in the harbor at this time. Yeah. Yeah, and we have the amazing Boston Harbor Islands National Park area, which I always like to plug. It's a wonderful uh, it's a wonderful um, you know special thing for the city of Boston. Yeah. Well, we're doing our show live here on the thirtieth of April. So folks in the Boston area, l listening in the Boston area, could still sign up for Big Day Boston, except that what, and maybe you're already maxed out on registration, are you? Right, yeah, we're not quite maxed out yet, so um, bigdayboston.com is the place to go um, and register. I think when I originally filed for my parks permit, um, I estimated that there would be 12 people, and we had about 100 people sign up on the first day. Wow. Uh, so I had to go back to the Parks Department and get my permit updated. Uh, but we don't have unlimited space, um, so at some point we may we may reach capacity, but there are still some spots available. Okay, so as I say, we're doing the show live on the 30th. If folks uh, hear the show in the next couple of days, maybe uh, they could still sign up if you're in the uh, in the Boston area. I guess you've kind of kind of answered this question, um, Adam, in the sense that you were expecting a, a dozen people to sign up, and there's so many more. Was it kind of a shock or a big surprise? I, I was thrilled with the response. Yeah, I um, I had somebody from the Boston Globe reach out to me right after I announced it, and I think that that helped with the numbers a lot. Um, it, you know, when, when I first envisioned this, I thought, well, maybe a half a dozen or so of the people that I interact with on like Twitter uh, that are, I know are urban birders would show up. Um, and the fact that so many other people have been inter interested has just been fantastic. I have to believe that other uh, cities would be inspired to try this. Have you been in contact with folks of other places about the idea? I haven't, but I can definitely imagine um, others. I think it's a great opportunity to kind of showcase, you know, all the things that a city might have to offer. So I could definitely see, you know, a big day other city. Mm -hmm. So, well, for folks listening now who might want to... Uh, organize an urban birding competition uh, in their city what what's uh what's your advice specifically about that and how about them contacting you yeah i mean as far as advice goes i mean i think that you know the fact that i'm pretty intimately familiar with birding in in boston i was able to come up with reasonable boundaries and and so you know some familiarity with with the birds and where the, where they visit and what city is critical but um, yeah, feel free to reach out. There's a contact form on bigdayboston.com or info at bigdayboston.com. I can be reached directly. 
All right. Adam Balsam is the organizer of what we believe is the first ever urban birding competition. Learn more about how he is doing it and how you might do it wherever you are at BigDayBoston.com. As Adam says, there's a contact form right there at BigDayBoston.com. Adam, thanks for being on and uh, congratulations on putting this together and good luck. Thanks so much, Ray. Adam Balsam with us here on Talking Birds and up next, it's our mystery bird contest right after this. The flutter of a tail feather, the flash of a wing bar in mid-flight. You don't always have a lot of time to identify a bird in nature, let alone to appreciate its beauty. But with Vortex Optics, you'll have the power to bring every wild moment closer. When you choose Vortex, you're choosing to have a partner in the field as passionate about nature as you are. Whether you're spotting old friends on the backyard feeder or packing for a once-in-a-lifetime trip to add a few species to your life list, Vortex offers a full range of optics and optics accessories for every birder and every budget. And whether the birds are taking you to another state or another country, you're always covered by the Vortex VIP warranty, an unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. If you'd like to learn more or if you need help choosing your next optic, Give Vortex a call at 1-800-4-VORTEX or visit vortexoptics.com. Let's see, where are we? Anybody know? We're at the Mystery Bird Contest. Yes, of course, we know that. That was easy. That's our Mystery Bird. Here's another clue. Right there. Our Mystery Bird, common in the western oak forests of North America. Sometimes described as clown face with a black, white, and red head. It also has a straight, sharp bill and a stiff, wedge-shaped tail that it uses for support as it clings to tree trunks. Our bird feeds on the seeds of oak trees as well as on insects, sap, and fruit. It lives in extended family groups, the members of which spend many hours storing food in carefully tended holes in trees and telephone poles. And I've often heard, or at least I've, I've one time heard, about them doing this, storing food, in an automobile radiator, which was not a, not a great idea, but they seemed to think it was a good idea at the time. That's our mystery bird. Those are some clues. We have two beautiful prizes from Broom Bear, uh, Bird Care. It's a Broom Squirrel Buster standard feeder. It truly is squirrel-proof thanks to its weight-adjustable closing mechanism, and it features proven seed saver technology, a patented seed tube ventilation system, and a chew-proof seed tray. And from our friends at Wisdom Supply, providers of plastic-free, vinyl-free, and spiral-free school and office supplies, a $20 gift certificate. So some pretty nice prizes there. And another one, uh, if we get to our bonus question from our friends at Feather Friendly, the Bird Window Collision Kit, 781-837-4900 is the all-important phone number. That's 781-837-4900. And the other important reminder is that uh, even if we don't get a correct answer, chances are we'll have a winner nonetheless because we'll choose a winner from among those um, nearly correct answers. That is, if Tim reminds me at the end to uh, to be sure to identify the bird if we don't get the correct answer, because sometimes we forget. I'll do my best, Ray. I, I know you will, Tim, and I'm sure it will be good enough. 
781-837-4900, the number. And up next, it's Let's Ask Mike. Almost live from the archive and some tips for birding travelers. Let's Ask Mike in just one minute. Beautio Books carries one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. New, used, and rare books covering everything from backyard birding to general ornithology. From field guides to photography skills, biography, fiction, and humor. You'll find it all along with the knowledgeable customer service you've been looking for in one convenient place. Beautiobooks.com. B-U-T-E-O. Beautiobooks.com. Quest Nature Tours has offered exceptional tours for bird and nature lovers since 1970. In 2023, join us in search of colorful bird life and jaguars in Brazil or on our brand new Zambia Safari. See amazing wildlife and explore habitats with travel companions who truly enjoy nature. Talking Birds listeners receive a $150 credit towards their first tour. Visit questnaturetours.com today. Birds and much more, guaranteed. Down to Cape Cod we go. Mike O'Connor at the Bird Watchers General Store, Route 6A, Orleans, Cape Cod, Massachusetts. Uh, good morning, Mike. Hey, good morning, Ray. You're just back from North Carolina, right, where you've got a life bird, among others. Yeah, i got a life bird. You know, yeah. when you get my age, it's hard to find life birds, but it's true. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I just want to say, people, this May and June are the time of year where people get married, and they have anniversaries or graduations or retirement, and you're always, or people always traveling to a wedding or somebody's retirement party at a distance. And sometimes you want to go, sometimes you don't want to go. But I tell everybody <laughs> to pack their binoculars because when you have some downtime or some time when you don't want to be at the festivities, you can go birding and just do a little search in the area for some birding spots, and you'll see some cool stuff. I was just down visiting my daughter in Wilmington, North Carolina, and when she and my wife were out doing some whatever they were doing and I was bored, <laughs> I decided I'd go birding, and I found this place called the Green Swamp Preserve at the Nature Conservancy property, and it, it's one of the few places that you can see the Bachman Sparrow. Mm-hmm. Now, the Bachman Sparrow could not be any less interesting of a bird. It's kind of a birder's <laughs> bird. It's, 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 it's like a combination between a chipping sparrow and a, like a, a dried pine cone. And <laughs> up until recently, nobody knew much about it because it's so shy and secretive. Mm-hmm. You can almost never see it, except for a few weeks now during the nesting season, it'll sit up high on a perch and give a really distinctive call. It's, it's, for a sparrow, it's, it's, you can hear it from a long distance away. It's not as distinctive as you know, the oven bird that we heard earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, it's much louder than that. And you can, and, and I got to see it, and the Barkman Sparrow was named after John James Audubon's friend, John Barkman, who, I guess, lives in the Charleston area, and Audubon used to stay with him when he was off doing his studies in the area, and so when Audubon saw this bird, he named the dullest bird he could find after his friend, which is always a nice thing to do. <laughs> But it wasn't, I mean, it was, it was a really cool bird, and it's declining. It's listed as rare and declining, and there's only a few places to go. So if you, But you don't have to travel there, but wherever you're traveling, I also saw, you know, painted buntings and summer tanagers and royal terns and real red-headed woodpeckers and a hooded warbler. So 
my advice is when you when you've got some of these family obligations, carve out the time to, and look online where the good burning spots are, and you can go out and get some exercise and get away from the, you know, the family yeah, nonsense yeah. for a while. Who needs that? But I mean, uh, yeah. So it's not true what you <laughs> you told me earlier that that bird was named after Randy Bachman from the Bachman Turner Overdrive. That that wasn't true. No, I just said that because I knew you'd believe it. I did, too. Michael, talk to, <laughs> we'll talk to you next week. Okay, thanks, Ray. All right, Mike O'Connor there at the famous Bird Watchers General Store on Cape Cod. We return to the Mystery Bird Contest after this brief message. Every Wednesday, Birdwatching Magazine sends an e-newsletter full of information of interest to birdwatchers, including recent news stories about birds, conservation, and science, photography tips, stories about places to go birding, bird ID tips, and much more. Best of all, the newsletter is free. Sign up today at birdwatchingdaily.com slash newsletter. All right, we're about to get back to the mystery bird contest. I'm just thinking if we do the Bachman Sparrow as a mystery bird sometime, we've already got the clues here. It looks like a cross between a chipping sparrow and a dried pine cone. So uh, thank you, uh, Mike, for that. But this is the mystery bird here. 781-837-4900. Seven eight one eight three seven four nine hundred would be the number to call, and uh, we have a call from right down the road here, somewhere in the great town of Marshfield, Massachusetts, and it's Stevie. Good morning, Stevie. Morning. Good morning. Thanks for calling in, Stevie, on the uh, mystery bird contest, and I believe you have an answer for us. What What would that answer be? Uh, the acorn woodpecker. What a, what a top quality answer. You even got a what is that? A cowbell. No, no, it's just a winter bell. A winter bell. Sorry, I thought it was a cowbell. No, no, no cowbell. No cowbells here. No, (laughs) No, sir. We're not fearing the reaper. No, no. (laughs) Absolutely correct. The uh, acorn woodpecker. We're still remembering that story. Um, I don't know if you heard this uh, story or not, Stevie. Back in February, an exterminator, this was out in California, was looking for evidence of a worm infestation in a wall in a, in a private home, and instead he found about 700 pounds of acorns. Wow. That were stashed in there, yes, by acorn woodpeckers. I guess he was originally called to the house because they thought there were some worms in there. Maybe there was a, you know, a dead animal or something stuck in there. Instead, the meal, they were mealworms, and they were mixed in with that colossal acorn collection. Those birds spent months and months um, putting those acorns in there, and I guess they kind of lost out. But uh, I'm sure they won't uh, They won't give up. No. But uh, anyway, I, I think we have time for a bonus question here, if you'd like to try it, Stevie. Sure. All right. It's kind of a long intro to this. Earth is warming at an alarmingly fast rate as human activities like the burning of fossil fuels continue to pour excess heat, trapping carbon dioxide and other gases into our atmosphere, but wild animals help store carbon, removing billions of tons of carbon dioxide from Earth's atmosphere, preventing it from warming the Earth and mitigating global warming? Well, Yale University scientists have shown just how effective the protection and restoration of wild animals to their natural environments can be in helping to curb global warming via carbon storage. So, finally, the question... How do animals help store heat-trapping carbon dioxide? Well, in different ways. World Wildlife Fund says as forest elephants roam, they stomp out small invasive plant species, which in turn allows large trees to grow and store carbon. 
I think I just gave away the answer to this question, but I'm just going to give you the give it to you anyway, just for the heck of it. Uh, which of the ele- animals, elephant animals, are most important in doing this? Uh, these rumors. Is it elephants? That's A. Uh, secretary birds. That's B. Or Cape buffalo. That would be C. I would say the elephants. I think elephants is the right answer. Tim, you agree with that? I mean, yes, one hundred percent. Yeah. Great job, Stevie. That was a tough one, Stevie. Thank you. You you came through when it counted. All right. (laughs) Uh, Stevie, thank you. Stay on the line, and Tim will get your info. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. And, uh, oh, boy, that's about the time we have for our show this morning, which maybe is kind kind of a good thing. Next week, University of Massachusetts researcher Corey Elo will be here to tell us about his enlightening new research about how birds fuel their long distance migrations. And before we go, just one other reminder, and that is an invitation to join the Talking Birds flock. That's our Facebook group, a group for Talking Birds listeners. More than 500 folks in the flock now, so you can find that on our website. Thanks to our amazing Talking Birds team, Debbie Bleacher, Freya McGregor, and today's producing engineer, Jesse. No, not Jesse. It's Tim McKenney. Timber! I'm Ray Brown. See you next week. The bird show. I like that. I love it. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics. With the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And Quest Nature Tours, offering expert led small group tours for bird and nature lovers since 1970. Explore exceptional journeys around the world at questnaturetours.com. And Beautio Books, an independent, family-owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Beautiobooks.com.